Hello, Shakes Pals. Happy Throwdown Thursday and happy end of this year. I am not going to hope for anything next year. I'm just going to hope hope I get out of bed some days. And that's I think that's the best that any of us can really hope for as we enter into 2022. But I hope all of your spirits and hopes are high. You've had a decent amount of melting into the couch time. Uh, if you've been anything like me, you've watched like 18 seasons of Psych. It's It's been a good week for you, I hope, because uh, it's been a pretty good week for me. This week, we have Jennifer Lanier on to talk about Best Monarch. We are capping off our leadership season. And man, this was a very, very fun one. Y'all should definitely check out OpsFest on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Um, check out P2 and Pod on TikTok also because I live there now. That's my new home. Uh, and I would love to welcome you all in like the sweet, sweet vampires y'all are. Um, that's that's it for that. Speaking of vampires, my D&D show Adventure Incorporated is still doing our annual charity drive. So if you head over to Adventure Inc. Pod on Twitter, you can see a little bit more of details over there. But basically, if you donate to a charity of your choice, we're going to look at our list and match those donations. It's just a great way to feel good and helpful and, you know, find something that's important to you and give them a little bit of a support boost at the end of the year, end of another tough year for everyone. So again, that's Adventure Inc. Pod on Twitter, and we would love if you could check that out. That is, that's it. That's all I got for you today. Uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year. We love you. Bye. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare Showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so this week we are chatting best monarch in all of Shakespeare. We are wrapping up our leadership season with the big one here. And with me, I've got actor, comedian, and the artistic director of the original practice Shakespeare Festival located in Portland, Oregon, Jennifer Lanier. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to this, you know, for, for a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> we connected up on TikTok, which is, I'm like all in on TikTok now. Oh, oh, I know, I know. The TikTok thing is is awesome, isn't it? We've, uh, we've got um, a couple of people in our company, including uh, one of my sons who's uh, in charge of our TikTok account. And we're starting to have a lot of fun with it. We're yeah. getting really silly, which is, I think, when TikTok is at its best. I would agree with you there. <laughs> um, so go ahead, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. And mm -hmm. uh, do you shorten it to OPS Fest or Ops Fest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all call it Ops Fest okay. uh, around here, definitely. Um, we do unrehearsed uh, Shakespeare Kind of, uh, you know, everything old is new again. That's essentially what we do. That's the way that they did it. They didn't rehearse because no one had figured out you could. <laughs> and so we do the same thing. You know, we we don't uh, uh, rehearse together. We also bring scrolls onto the stage, which is uh, a lot of fun. So scrolls, I know a lot of people don't know what those are really. Um, but what they are is just your part. So you have all your words and then about 
four words before you, just so you know where your cue is. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, that really that really makes for some um, marvelous uh, immediacy, shall we yeah. say. Uh, you really <laughs> there, have to listen, but, don't you? Like it's a you, focus that you don't get any other way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the listening. It's, it's all about focusing on, on your folks um, and, you know, who you're dealing with and, and you find out all sorts of things about the piece. Now um, we, we tell people in the beginning of the season, now oh, give yourself a little fun and, and don't read all the plays mm -hmm. until you get to it. And then you'll have a chance to really discover what's going on. Of course, most of us just know so many of these because we've, you know, we've read them a lot, but yeah. you don't remember everything, you know, and uh, it, it gets, you don't yeah, have all of Hamlet memorized. <laughs> wouldn't that be fun now? Wouldn't that be fun? I'm sure there's some people out there that do, but I am not one of them. So uh, yeah, we carry, so we carry our scrolls and we have an onstage prompter who's the person that kind of keeps it all together like a referee in a game. And they're dressed like a referee too. They wear the little striped shirt and everything. They've got a whistle. Um, and so if they're, uh, you know, if, if things get a little wacky on stage and, you know, you can tell folks aren't quite sure what's happening, the, the uh, prompter blows the whistle. And then he might ask a character some questions about what's going on. Or if he's looking at the audience and they're confused because, you know, it's one of those plays where the rings have been going all over the place. Yeah. So then he'll have people, okay, let's track the rings. Okay, <laughs> here we go. This one is, you know, and you just, and, and it's really a lot of fun. Our audiences live for the interruptions from uh, the prompter or, um, you know, uh, other people sometimes that happen. But yeah, that's how we, that's how we do Shakespeare over, uh, over in Portland. And also, of course, the way we cast is kind of unusual for some people. Um, we definitely, um, we don't uh, worry so much about, about gender and ethnicity when we cast. So we cast a role uh, like if we cast um, my my friend uh, Lauren to play Hamlet, then we tell Lauren, hey, you can play Hamlet, of course, in terms of gender, but the way it's written or is your own gender. And uh, that definitely leads to some really marvelous storytelling that uh, my, my uh, co-artistic director, Brian, and I really have a good time planning at the beginning of the season going, hmm, what, what's going to be fun? What's a fun way to tell this story this time and then we cast people with that in mind so it's a lot a lot of fun you can come see a show you can come see henry the fourth as many times as you want you will never see the same show because it's never going to be the same cast yeah i man i am booking a trip to portland uh, oh good you have <laughs> right to come now. and see us maybe even play with us who knows honestly it sounds <laughs> so amazing and so fresh and so uh, chaotic in the very best way, which I think a lot of times modern Shakespeare is missing that element of chaos. Um, I agree whether it's with you. from audience uh, response or interruption or just the general rowdiness and like the the silliness that I think is inherent. And even in the tragedies, there are some very silly uh, things that happen. So I think it's such a cool way to bring some of that out and discover it maybe in a new way. Absolutely. That's what we hope for. We hope for some fun chaos all the time. And you never I know because we play outside. Did I mention that? That we play outside? Yeah, we're in the you didn't, parks. You did but that's you know? awesome. Yes, yes. We're, we, we go to different parks all over Portland. 
Uh, we, we try to spend time in, I mean, we spend time in the parks and the fancy neighborhoods because you do, but we also specifically go to underrepresented parks, the parks that, that don't have a lot going on in them, the parks in the poorest neighborhoods. And we put up posters and do all sorts of things beforehand. And, and we'll get some audience in of people maybe who have never seen a Shakespeare play before. And those are our best audiences. Absolutely. The people who have no idea what's about yes. to happen. And this, and we encourage people, you know, to watch it. Like we call it POC style. I don't know what y'all call it, but like you holler out at the people. Sure. You know, it's like you're watching what's going on. You see Polonius going behind the curtain and Hamlet getting up says, Ooh, Hamlet, what you doing? Watch out. And they stab him and go, Oh shoot. You should have seen that coming. Fool. And you know, I mean, Oh my God. I love it when audiences do that. It, it gives us energy. Sometimes we holler right back at them and, and you know, <laughs> answer back and forth for a little bit yeah we have a good time we have a good time that sounds amazing where can people find uh, where can people find ops fest where can people find your work absolutely where can people find uh, well, you? yeah you can always go to opsfest.org and that's ops fest.org you can go to us uh, our website we have a cool website tells you uh what's coming up and uh who's part of the company and and all kinds of things about us. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook because, you know, I'm old. And so I use Facebook. Uh, and you can find us there at Ops Fest as well or Original Practice Shakespeare Festival. Either of those will shoot you to our Facebook page. Um, and you can find me and what I'm about at Jennifer Lanier Acts. That's Jennifer Lanier, A-C-T-S dot com. And uh, that's my little website. To let you know what's going on <laughs> we're going to the um matter of fact i'm going to the uh what is it the shakespeare theater association um conference if nice. everything goes okay uh uh in the first week of january so i'm gonna hook up with some other people and blow them away with the way we do Shakespeare. It should be fun. <laughs> yes, I love that. All of those links will be in the show notes. Also, don't forget to right. follow them on TikTok. So <laughs> that's right. TikTok. I don't even know how you say it, though. I don't know how you say it. I'm so new to the TikTok. I just uh, look up Ops Fest. Yeah, I bet you will find us on TikTok under yes. that. And we're yeah, we have fun with that. There are animals involved, too. So it's fun. There's Always a few good. Shakespearean dogs i think <laughs> oh, yes. all right jennifer i could talk about that uh for a long time and you know what we might we might do a whole bit on uh audience engaging shakespeare later on in the future and i will definitely call you back up but for now that sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> for now let's talk about best monarch this is a hard Ooh, one because yes. you know there are some there are some uh halfway decent monarchs there are some bad monarchs. There are some terrible monarchs. Uh, the ranges, the ranges is there. So Jennifer, who do you think is the best monarch in all of Shakespeare? Well, you know, I had to really think hard about that and and and, and break it down. And and actually, I got a little input from a couple of other people because that's always fun to do. My co Brian loves to talk about stuff like this. But I finally decided that I would go with uh, an unusual choice, that my personal best monarch of all of Shakespeare is going to have to be Falstaff. And I know <laughs> that you're going to wonder why I went there. But let's just be real. Falstaff is the king of the rascals. 
and you cannot tell me otherwise. There is no dare. greater rascal in all of Shakespeare than Falstaff. I should know I have played Falstaff many, many times. And uh, yes, Falstaff is quite, quite the rascal. I mean, first of all, just talk to Mistress quickly about Falstaff and she'll tell you all about <laughs> the rascally ways that he has. Now, Falstaff is also good at ordering people around. You know, Bardolph has been, it stays with Falstaff the whole way through. We don't know why, but he does. <laughs> Clearly, Falstaff is good at being a person in charge. Uh, obviously, Francis, you know, remember Francis and the yeah. in the bar? Poor you Tom know, Francis. Who, well, back, <laughs> Francis will tell you that Falstaff is a great, great man. Because at the end of all of that silliness, Falstaff always tips Francis a bunch. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah, it's in the it's it's hidden in the text. You'll just have to hunt for it yourself. But it's there. <laughs> um, and, you know, and Falstaff uh, is also, you know, because all great monarchs in Shakespeare need to be great military folks as well. And, you know, Falstaff is is quite the soldier. And yes, he puts together a fine group of people. In Henry the Fourth, Part Two, I know you recall that scene very, very well um, on how that works. But of course, there's also the fact that Falstaff kills Hotspur. Now, people oh don't even talk about that. <laughs> the underrating of the killing of Hotspur. This is a huge. Okay, I know nobody was around, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is what happened. I was there when I played Falstaff. It's absolutely clear. That Falstaff is the one that kills Hotspur. Go to the next play and everybody talks about it. See, it's right there. So clearly, Falstaff is a fine, incredible soldier as well. And, you know, the biggest piece, because I think that every great monarch has to um, has to be willing to sacrifice themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that has to be part of it. And, and Falstaff absolutely sacrifices himself or themselves constantly for how, you know, Falstaff makes it, it, all the other things that go on. Falstaff is always trying to make sure that Hal is going to be okay. That's the bottom line for Falstaff that Hal is going to be okay. And you check that in the text, it's always there. And so you put all these pieces together and I say that that makes Falstaff the greatest monarch in all of Shakespeare king of the rascals i'm sticking with that story oh wow um i <laughs> i have so many thoughts but we're gonna get to those jennifer who do who do i think is the best monarch in all of shakespeare well i think that you're definitely leaning towards king lear as being the best monarch <laughs> okay yeah here yeah he absolutely is because you know one of the great things about a leader is knowing when to step back knowing when you've had your run and you're ready to to take a step down or take a step back. Um, and we see that that Lear does this. Now, we also know that based on the hundred knights that follow him, even after he's retired, we know that that shows a certain brand of loyalty. We also see that loyalty in Kent because he um, is banished after Lear goes on a little, you know, a little tiff and what leader hasn't, you know, like loses is cool. Um, but Kent understands that that's not truly who Lear is, um, that he's being reactive instead of um, thinking this thing through. 
and he understands that Lear is going to come out on the other side um, having learned and grown uh, and changed a bit. And so Kent comes back in disguise, sticks with Falstaff even after um, he's been banished. You mean also? Lear. Huh? Oh, yeah, with Lear. <laughs> I, I know you Lear. get all caught up in the Falstaff stitch. That's all right. right. Falstaff is sticking in my head, right? <laughs> sticks with Lear. Um, we also see that kind of uh, devotion from Cordelia. Again, even though she's been banished, uh, she still cares for her father in a way that she is able to she marries France and they come to kind of right the wrong she knows her sisters are going to do before they've even done it so we know that she has a very intuitive uh understanding of her family she knows her sisters are evil she knows their uh, uh outward demeanor doesn't match what's on the insides of their hearts uh, and then she also knows the same for Lear, that his outward demeanor doesn't truly match what's going on uh, in his heart. So she's able to predict that and start to counteract that uh, throughout the play. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see what else. Lear. Um, yeah. His hundred men, they're loyal to him. Kent is loyal. We oh, his relationship with the fool. I think that it takes a true leader to understand um, that there can be a dynamic. He's a, he allows himself to be made fun of by the fool. And yeah, he does. In the beginning, you see kind of that transition. Like he's a little bit more, um, a little bit angrier at some of the fool's taunts in the beginning. But as he starts to grow and learn and change, he really is listening. You can tell that he's internalizing what the fool is saying, even though it's through sing song and through, you know, barbs and jokes and pretty nasty uh, nursery rhymes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can see how he's open to constructive criticism, let's say, from the fool. <laughs> <laughs> constructive criticism by King Lear. Yes. Yeah. How to deal with criticism by Lear. I think that's a book that uh, should be written. Oh, I don't, sure. I don't know. That's a, that's a, <laughs> there's going to be some bad. It's going to be like 90% bad advice horrible. and 10%. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. It's going to be the worst advice you ever got. Yeah. Banish them. That's how to deal with criticism. Yeah, deal with them by banish them. Easy does it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, really the true, the true, um, you find out the true nature of a person or of a leader when they're at their absolute lowest. And we definitely see Lear at his lowest. And we see him come out the other side of that um, with a deeper understanding for what the mistakes that he's made and the grief that he holds. And you even see it. I actually, this is something that like off the top of my head, um, without reading back through the play, I'm not sure if it's super supported, but I think that his language becomes much simpler um, at the oh. end of the play. And so he's kind of like really accepting his more human state rather than that like flowery eloquence of what a leader should be. He's kind of like finding and discovering who he really is through that like descent into madness. See, that's really interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about that because I've, I've only played Lear one time, so I don't, I don't have a whole lot um, of uh, of knowledge about that, and you know, internally. But I was thinking about 
the way that everything happens by the time you get to act five and yeah and yeah i think you know i i think that's a i think that's an accurate thought about the way that the text is during that time the way that lear speaks digging back into yeah Um, i'm gonna have to check that out well i'm supposed to play it next year so i i really need to (laughs) pay attention (laughs) that'd be amazing honestly Lear is such a journey like that it's an intimate as an actor it's like a very intimidating (laughs) thought but completely completely intimidating yeah i've only i've only played lear online i've never played lear out uh in in the parks in person with people so i'm um i think this might be uh this might be a year for that we'll see we'll see there's (laughs) one other person in the company who who can play lear and and i might make her do it first Push her out there a little bit, test the water, yeah. dip a pinky toe in. It's like, yeah, come on, why don't you try it? You try it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah we do I about 25 a... of the plays. So, you know, that's where oh, we wow. are right now. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, though. We'll get... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that Lear is a really good monarch. There's nothing um, in the text to say that he has been a bad king when he was king. Um, we obviously have if he's got land to divvy up between his daughters, um, we've got that like uh, conflict with France, but yeah. I, I think that stems from the conflict at the beginning of the play rather than anything that Lear has done previously. So I think he's been a very good king. He knows when to step down. He learns a lesson. He's really got a, a journey there for being a good, solid monarch. Hmm. Well, that's sort of interesting. So you... So you you are going with that that Lear is the best best monarch. That's uh, that's pretty that's a pretty uh, good set of arguments you got going there, <laughs> Stephanie. I'm impressed. <laughs> I really honestly I, as you were talking through Falstaff, mm-hmm. um, I played Hal a couple of years ago in ah. uh, part one. Nice. And when you got to, uh, he kills Hotspur. There was like an intrinsic like rage inside of me, and I was like, <laughs> "What? What? No! I he did not I did that." <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Right now, we have um, there are a couple of people who've played Hal and Hotspur in our company, and there's uh, but there are two folks who have played it more often. Um, than anyone, but they always played it the same way. He had this uh, uh, a woman named Lauren who played Hotspur all the time, and then a woman named uh, Sullivan who always played Hal. And that 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 just seemed to be the for a little while that was the way it was. And there were many reasons for that. It was a little unusual for us to have it happen like that. But this year we decided to flip them, just Ooh. because. Well, let's see what happens then. If you were really used to the other way of seeing these people yeah. and oh my gosh it, it was uh it was a show we did for um what do you call it for orientation at a college freshman orientation so all the freshmen the new freshmen were out to to come uh they came and they watched us do this show and and they were very vocal you know in their in their yays and boos and 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 That's awesome different things and that the 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 uh, level, I should say, of passion from both of those actors was really astonishing. And the fact that they had to flip how they knew the the big fight at the end, you know? Yeah. They had to totally flip that around 
um, to relearn the fight from the other person's point of view. And it was still, it was pretty hot. I mean, it was like swords were clanging. It was awesome. You know, uh, one of those times where um, you just wish you could have filmed that whole thing. And yeah, you know, cause you know, I, I, but then again, that's, that's part of the beauty of it's the fleeting. work too. It's, it, it goes, it's yeah. here and it's gone. You know, it's just, so it's uh, lovely. <laughs> this is a really interesting looking at uh, kind of popping back to Best Monarch from what you just yeah. said. Um, yeah. One of the things, not to add to your argument, but one of the things that Falstaff does is that he also like, if you're allowing and encouraging audience feedback, he is a true leader of the audience. He has that whole catechism speech. Um, yes. You know, where the audience is either screaming yes or no or whatever it is through that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Absolutely. he commands, he has a command of the of breaking the fourth wall and interacting and engaging with the audience in a way that, you know, a few Shakespeare characters have, but Falstaff really is a Well, is Falstaff a big one. does it. Yeah, Falstaff does it. And and as that uh, progresses, absolutely makes the audience fall in love with him. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's and it's really exciting because this year we are because we're adding uh, Richard two to what we're doing. We're finally going to have the all best four monarch. of those plays. No, 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 <laughs> definitely are not best. I, I could have thrown you that one. But yeah, I like, thank you oh, for Don. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that one. Um, but we're going to have Richard two, Henry four, one, two, and then Henry five that we'll do all across a weekend um, with people playing similar roles all through because how fun is that, you know, to be able to do. But that's um, but that's the thing about Falstaff. Falstaff just takes you along. And by the time you get to that last scene in uh, four, two, yeah, you just your heart breaks for him and he's not That's a good person no he's not at all but you're he's a horrible dude and in a but different she... way from like other villains who you know you've got your richard and you've mm -hmm. got your iago who tell you exactly what they're gonna do and you're like you're charming but i know you're bad it's not like <laughs> that at all for false stuff we know he's bad but like how could hal do that to him <laughs> yeah yeah it's still that um it's still just an extraordinary it's an extraordinary moment for for an actor to to play with an extraordinary arc i think for an actor to play with to uh, with both of the actors to have that yeah uh, to deal with it's 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 a lot of i mean it's a lot of fun and i again i think that that uh false staff is is that person who just never found out the legitimate way to do things never sure never got to lock into a, a way to, to, to go through the world, um, you know, honorably is it's just, it's always, it's always been the other things that worked, you know, so yeah. why not stay with that stuff? And, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely the one bad guy in Shakespeare that everybody loves. Yeah. You know, I he's don't think that could be play. argued. <laughs> no, no, not a bit, not a bit. He's fun to play. It's there's there's no doubt about it. It is fun to play Falstaff. <laughs> you know, you yeah. will always have a good time doing that role. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that uh, conversely, Lear, I'm not sure fun would be the right word, but like in terms of like acting yeah. challenge, like the mm. what you would get out of that role, I think is a totally different brand of what you're going to get playing Falstaff. But 
there's so much meat to it and there's so much of an arc. And I think that uh, it's quite thick. It's quite rich. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and then when you were talking about the business of the 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 way that the speech goes too. I mean, you know, because there's so many layers you have to put on Delir. And I and I confess that when I was doing that, it didn't even occur to me that that might be happening, though I think in while I was playing it, I noticed there was something going something. on. And so it's like, okay, we'll just, you know, stay with whatever that is, even though I can't intellectualize it right now. Uh, Cause I'm too busy being, you know, in it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's really best not to intellectualize when you're acting. Well, and I when think. you're doing it with no rehearsals, like you don't have time to sit there and mark the whole text and, and look out for that. Oh, he becomes really monosyllabic uh, in <laughs> act five. You don't have that chance. You're just saying those words and you're hoping that they're <laughs> at the right you're, time. You're putting it together. You're putting it together. And it's, yeah, it really is an interesting way of going in. But of course now, and, the beautiful thing is when you play something a couple of times, you start mm -hmm. to discover, you know, what the rhythms are. Like Othello, I've played, God, I don't know how many times I've played Othello. And um, and I feel like I really know a lot about that particular character. And, it, and, it, and it's still fun with all of the different Iagos and Desdemonas yeah. and Cassios that I've gotten to work with. Um, because you have to take in what they're giving you, right? Well, you I was going to say, I imagine... Yourself. Othello specifically, Othello's mm -hmm. entire character is about uh, listening. Yeah, that's and it. It's, that's, that's it. It. Yeah, it's all about listening. So what you do is you do your, you know, you do your homework. I mean, you, yeah. you, you know, you work on, on on those things that you can work on, um, and then you have to just release yourself to your um, to your fellow actors. Yeah. and allow yourself to ride the ride that they're putting you on you know because it's 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 so much fun it's i got uh, goosebumps <laughs> I know. You, you gotta come up you gotta come up and, and uh and check us out i'm i'm going to y'all uh i could talk about this for hours oh um, i know couldn't have this <laughs> who do you think is the best monarch is it falstaff or is it lear let us know on uh, Twitter at P2M Pod. Let us know on Facebook at P2M Pod. Let us know on TikTok at P2M Pod because uh, we're on there too. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go, Jennifer. Thank you so much uh, for I. I want to like I want to do more of this. I want to chat more about this. Um, I also think we got some really rad monarch chats in there as well. So I think we did. I think we did, <laughs> Stephanie. That was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. Let everyone know again where they can find you and OpsFest. Absolutely. You can find us at OpsFest.org to go to our website. You can catch us on Facebook uh, at OpsFest, uh, our page on Facebook there, or Original Practice Shakespeare Festival will get you to us. Also on Twitter, you can find us. I don't... Yeah, just look up OpsFest. Uh, Ops only Fest. at Ops. OpsFest okay. and only at Ops, I think, is a place that you can find us with Twitter. And then with TikTok, you can find us. There's something about OpsFest there. Uh, just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> Go to the, the show notes. It'll be all there. That take care <laughs> of the of the talks. They take care of all of the talks. And I love them all. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you all next week. Serious business.